0: going to switch gears now into the sermon. We're going to be looking at Psalm 30 today. In the last two years, we have gone through a lot. We've gone through a lot as a church. We've gone through a lot as a country. And we've gone through a lot in the whole world. I know for myself, over the last two years or so, it it's felt difficult to be thankful, to give thanks. It's certainly been a lot easier just to be angry and bitter and complain about the things that have been going on around me than it has been to give thanks. That being said, there's so much to be thankful for today. Two families dedicating themselves and their children to love the Lord and to lead lives and live lives that honor him. A church gathered together publicly To worship our Lord and Savior. There's so much to be thankful for today. And on the preaching schedule, it worked out that I got to preach on this Sunday, and I was ever so grateful because I get to stand here and I get to give a sermon that's really just focusing on the thankfulness and on all the good things that God has done in our church and just all around. So I'm very excited to get into this today. Again, today, we're going to be looking at Psalm 30 which is fittingly a thanksgiving psalm. If I could um, summarize all 12 verses of Psalm 30 for you, I would say it's this. Psalm 30 is a charge to give thanks for God's goodness. As we are going to see David writes about this time where he's incredibly thankful to the Lord for all that he has done for saving his life and for everything else that he's done, and as we'll see, much more. David, at the end and through it, leaves us with this charge. Give thanks for God's goodness. So that's what we're going to look at today. We are going to look at... How the goodness of God leads us to give thanks because he deserves it. Because we can't do it ourselves. And because what more could we do? If you haven't already, you can open up your Bibles to our passage this morning. I'm going to pray and we'll get into the message. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I do. I thank you for the space that we get to gather together to worship you, to learn more about how much you love us, that we don't have to hide our congregation, that we don't have to meet underground, that we can publicly proclaim our love for you, that we can tell our neighbors about how much you love them and the sacrifice that you made for them. I thank you for your word and for the truth that is in it, that we can... Submit ourselves to your Word, God, so that we can learn and then we can grow and we can live lives that honor you. I just thank you for this morning, I thank you for the opportunities that we get to to grow as a community, to grow as a church, to grow together and uh, celebrate together this morning. I pray that you would just give us uh, guidance and wisdom as we wrestle through some some difficult topics, but Lord, I pray that you would just give us a heart of thankfulness this morning that we would just be able to thank you for all that. Uh, you do for us in all your goodness. And pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please read Psalm 30 with me? We're going to start with verses 1 through 5. So Psalm 30, verse 1. Right at the beginning it says, A Psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. So right off the bat here, we have sort of three different sections in our first point today. Three different sections, three different areas, but they all point to the same thing. They all point to how good God is and how he is, is, deserves our thanks because of his goodness. The very first thing that we see in this passage is actually before verse 1. It says, a psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. In college, I took a class on the psalms. It was a really amazing class. It was actually the class I did the best in, and it was very fun. The teacher was very good. And the thing, of something that I learned in it was that these little um, almost subtitles here that says a psalm of David that's actually the first verse of the Hebrew psalm. So in the original language, that's the first verse that we get. In our English Bibles, the one is lower. So in my ESV, I have Psalm 30. It says, Joy comes with the morning, a psalm of David. So that joy comes with the morning is something that the ESV editors and translators leave for us, sort of give us an idea of what's going on in this passage. And then that sort of thing that looks like almost like a subtitle is actually the first verse in the Hebrew Bible. I thought it was... A cool thing that I would share with you this morning as we get into this psalm. So our first verse says that this was a song that was sung at the dedication of the temple. If you can think back to your Sunday school lessons, you might notice how this is actually a little bit strange. Because King David wrote the psalm, but David didn't actually build the temple. So how could he sing a song that was at the dedication of the temple? David prophesied about the temple, but it was his son Solomon that later built the temple for the Lord. So there's some debate as to why the ESV translated this first verse with the word temple. The NASB actually uses the word house instead of temple. And the psalm is likely written at the same time as 2 Samuel 7. In 2 Samuel 7, we see first the dedication of the site where the temple was to be built. And we see that David dedicate his house that the Lord had blessed him with. So it's talking either about the site that the um, temple would be built on, or it's talking about David's own house. I personally think that it's a little bit more likely that uh, we're talking about the house here in Psalm 30, just through the things that we're gonna get into, but Either way, there's no way of knowing because none of us were there. So we're just going to take it as it is. The next thing that we see in our English verse 1, David says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. This is basically David saying, I will sing your praises, O Lord, because you deserve it. Because you are worthy of my thanks. Again, this is a thanksgiving psalm, and that's exactly how David chooses to begin this psalm. He chooses to begin with this part of thanksgiving. And right at the beginning of Psalm 30, we're brought to a mindset of thanksgiving. David then goes on to describe how the Lord saved his life. How he brought up his soul from Sheol and restored him. Again, it seems a little weird. Our context is David either giving the dedication of the site of the, where the temple was built or his house. So how does David almost dying fit into either of these scenarios? Well, they don't, it doesn't actually really fit in. It's not like David was building his house and a beam almost fell on him and you know he was just thankful to be alive. That's not what's going on. Rather, in this moment... David's there standing looking at this beautiful site, whether it be the site where the temple would be built, or whether it be the palace that was built for him, he's he's looking at something magnificent. And in this moment, as he's looking at this great thing, he's brought to this heart of thanksgiving. And he's just utterly thankful for the Lord. And David was saved many times from death. There's a lot, a lot of times where David should have died or could have died the Lord brought him through that and saved his life. So David's standing there. He's saying, God, I do not deserve to be here, but I am here, so thank you. I'm sure that you have had a moment like this, that something you've seen or a sight that you've been looking at has completely taken your breath away. For me, it's often nature. When I'm in nature, I'm brought to this place where I can't describe my thankfulness or awe to the Lord. In our uh, most recent vacation, Emily and I were able to to stay at my family's cottage. And it was a very lovely time. And we had this morning where we sat out on the dock. We had our Bibles and our coffees. And the water was still. And the trees were just starting to, to change into that that beautiful orangey red color and a few trees or vibrant bursts and it was it was beautiful it was an incredible morning and Emily and I just sat there in awe and we talked for probably an hour all we could do was just thank the Lord for how good he is and how, the good things that he's brought to us and the many blessings that we've received from him that's what's going through David's mind right now he is brought to this place of awe and thanksgiving, and he cannot express anything else except for that. So a natural question that we might ask now is, well, what does that have to do with me today? How does this in the psalm, or how does the goodness of God that leads us to give thanks because he deserves it, how can we apply that to our everyday lives? Well, David sets it up real simple for us. Just look at verse 4 and 5. He says, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. David gives it right to us. And David is talking about God's name. He says, to your holy name. He's talking about God's name as a memorial. Something that not only is, but always has been faithful. In Genesis 3, we read about the burning bush. You remember that story? And how God commissions Moses to go set his people free from captivity. And God says, go set my people free. And David says, or sorry, Moses says, if they ask me who sends me, what should I tell them? God says, I am who I am. Tell them that I I am has sent you. And then we read this in Exodus 3.15. It says, this is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered through all generations. David's reflecting on this covenant that Moses had with Jesus or with God. And this is what David is saying. He's saying, give thanks to the great I am who has been and always will be faithful, and good. This is his holy name. And this is how good God is. So let us sing praises to him. Let us bow down and worship him. This is one way that we get to bring it into our lives today. God is the same God that Moses had this covenant with and the same God that let the Israelites free from captivity. God is the same God that David is singing thanks to and singing praises to in our psalm here today. And God is the same God that we worship today and we give thanks to today for all the good things that he has done. So, because God is the same God, because God has been faithful and always will be faithful, we can give him thanks. Our first sort of point today, our first. Uh, section, ends with verse 5. You might recognize verse 5. You might even have it memorized. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Or darkness may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Songs written about it. We like to, to put it up on posters and pictures and pillows, and we like to hang it on our walls and quote it all the time. And it's, a, it's something that gives us hope in, in hard times. But I think when we actually look at the context what's actually going on in the entirety of Psalm 30, that we can get so much more out of it than just a helpful quote in a a hard time. David's saying, God, you are worth it. You are worthy of my praise. Even though you punish me, you are worthy of my praise. Even though hard times do come, you still deserve my thanks. And that is how that we can apply this to our lives, day in, day out. It's how we can actually live out this, this verse. It's simply by praising him and thanking him for his faithfulness, for his goodness. Because he deserves it. Yes, hard things are going to come. But we have the hope of joy that comes with the morning. We can give thanks even in the darkest of times because of the hope that we have in the morning. Let's keep going. Read verses 6 to 10 with me. Psalm 30, verse 6, it says, As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. When I was reading over this passage, I have to admit, I got a little bit confused. It almost looks like here in verse 6, in verse, yeah, in the beginning of verse 6, that David is almost proud of his riches, of his of his earnings, of his prosperity. And it looks almost like David is boasting in that and proud of that fact. But I learned in my study that you really need verses 9, 10, and 11. verses 8, 9, and 10 in order to understand what's going on in verses 6 and 7. When we have one piece of the puzzle, it can be really difficult to understand what's going on in the big picture. But the more pieces that we get, the more clear the big picture becomes. So that's what's happening here. Remember, David is probably writing the psalm at either the dedication of the site of the temple or the dedication of his own house. Either way, David is looking at something absolutely incredible, absolutely magnificent. Something only a king could get his hands on. In the case of the palace, David would be looking at a lot of gold and cedar structures and beams, the home of a king. In the case of the site where the temple would be built, it still would be a massive site. It would be a beautiful thing to see. And it would be awesome to know that the temple of the Lord would be built here. In both cases, I imagine that would be pretty simple for David or for anyone in that situation to start to think, wow, this is all mine. Or, wow, I did this. This is because of me that this is happening. I'm incredible. I could see that it would be easy for David to start going down this path. Then he says, that the Lord hid his face. David begins crying and pleading with the Lord for mercy. He's begging God not to be too harsh with him in his punishment. See, David is learning this lesson that it was certainly nothing that he did or he accomplished that brought any of this to be. David was filled with immense pride and false security. He found his security in his money instead of in the Lord. He thought that he was on top of the world, that no one could ever touch him. Then God hides his face. God takes the tiniest step back, and everything falls to pieces. He takes away his blessing and his protection on David for his pride. And David has to repent. He has to beg for forgiveness from the Lord. And I, I find these verses so funny. was in the midst of, of repenting, asking for forgiveness, and asking the Lord not to basically destroy him. And it almost looks like he starts to bargain with God. He says, God, I promise that you need me here. I promise that if I, it's better for me to be on earth than it is to be dead. My ashes can't praise you. I can't thank you for saving my life if I'm dead. So it's better for you to keep me alive. And then we're both happy. It's it's like David thinks he knows more than God. I find it very funny in the way that David converses with the Lord and is very honest. But he is. He's very honest with the Lord. and He comes to him with everything that is genuinely on his mind. But David was learning the lesson that he cannot do it by himself. Just when he thought that he had it all God pulled back just a little bit and everything fell to pieces. One of my all-time favorite Bible verses is Psalm 46.10. I'm sure most of you have at least half of this verse memorized. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The be still in Psalm 46.10 doesn't mean be lazy. It doesn't mean just don't move altogether. The words be still, or in some translations, it says cease striving, paints this picture for us of someone who is caught in quicksand. You can imagine being caught in quicksand. The more you struggle, the more you fight, the more you try and get out the hardest you can, the more you sink, the faster you fall the best thing to do is to slow down. Be thoughtful with your actions. I love this Psalm Psalm 46.10 so much because God's basically saying, look, the most important thing that you could do is praise me and thank me and bring others to do the same. He says, but don't think that it's because anything that you can do that'll make that happen. I already have it covered says do you think that'll be your work that brings me praise don't worry it's not i will be praised if the most important thing that we could do in our lives is thank god is praise him and exalt him among the nations and he says that he already has that covered now, we actually are to do just to be still that the most important aspect of our lives he already has taken care of for us. Why would we think that we could do anything else on our own? The most important aspect of our lives is in the complete control of God. And we think that we can carry out the day-to-day, the little stuff on our own. We're missing something. This is the lesson that David was learning. He's standing there looking at all these incredible things. He briefly goes down the thought that maybe it was by something that he accomplished that brought this great thing to be. From pride and security in the money that he had, but he learned that it was not by his own power or by his own riches that accomplished anything. He can't or could not do it on his own. And he needed God for every single aspect of his life. Is this a lesson that you need to learn today? Do you need to learn that the goodness of God leads us to give thanks because we can't do it on our own? I know I do. This is a lesson that I constantly need to be learning and constantly need to be reminded of. I cannot do it by myself and God deserves thanks because of that. I've been learning lately that I actually don't want to do it on my own. When I was younger, I would fight God and I would try and get it accomplished and I would, I would try and do it in all my own strength. And the more and more I tried that, God stepped back and God would create barriers and God would make it so evident that I cannot do it on my own. Every so often... It takes thought again in my head. But just like David saw, as soon as God takes the smallest step away, everything falls to pieces. So, why would I want to do it on my own? And God can do it so much better. Everything that I do in my life, everything that I set out to accomplish, in many cases, God is actually the only person that can complete that task. And I, just, I simply cannot do that. In every case, when I bring God into it, when I submit myself to him, when I, when I ask him for his help, it's always going to be better. If I rely on God and not myself, the end result is always better. I could stand up here this morning and I could give you a great, a great, message. I could give you a great speech. I could give you a speech that you would go home and say, wow, yeah, I feel encouraged. I feel like something's different. He spoke really well. But if I don't ask God to do this for me, if I don't ask God to speak through me, then it's going to be my words and not his, and there's going to be nothing that changes, in you. there's going to be nobody saved. There's going to be no hearts or lives that have been changed everything that we do will always be better if God is in control. Let's look at our last point of the day. You read the last two verses with me, verse 11 and 12. It says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing, and you have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. In verse 11, we see a shift. We see a shift from David asking for forgiveness and repenting of his pride and false security. And it shifts back into this attitude of thanksgiving. Remember, he started the song with his. Attitude with his mindset of thanksgiving, in the end, he brings it back there. David is praying, praising God, and saying that he used to be mourning. He used to be overcome with sadness, but because of the goodness of God, he's dancing. He can't help himself or express himself enough, so he's dancing. He says that his clothes used to reflect how sad he was. But now his clothes reflect the goodness, the joy that comes with the Lord. Then, beginning in verse 12, David says, That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. What in the world does that mean? That my glory will sing your praise and not be silent. That David's glory is singing. It almost sounds like we're tiptoeing back to verse 6 in the pride that David once, once had in his riches. Is David saying again that, that he's thankful for all his money and he's relying on all his money to get by? I don't think he is. Because so we move past that. David learned the lesson. The word glory that is used here is one of those, you know, how do we translate this issues that the ESV editors run into again? The original word for glory, it means that, literally. It just means glory. So that's why they use it. It's what the word means. But it doesn't mean glory like the glory that David used to see, and feel, and know in his riches or in his pride. The NIV translates this verse that, as, that my heart may sing praise and not be silent. The NASB translates as, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. That my soul, my heart may give you praise and give you thanks. See, David is offering the Lord the best of what he has. That's all it means. He's saying, I will worship you with all that I have. If there's anything in me that is good, I give it to you. there's anything in me that is worth the smallest amount, Lord, that is yours. David is giving God his very best and nothing short of it. So that's what it means. David's glory is singing his praises. The very best that David can give, he's giving it to God. Lastly, David says... O oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is often referred to as David's testimony. It's his final remark on everything that he's learned through the psalm, everything, all of the emotions, all of the lessons. It's his final remark. And he says, "In all things, I will give thanks to you. In the good, in the bad, in the punishment." I will give thanks to you. He says, even after death, I will not stop thanking you for your goodness. This is a lifelong lesson. This is a lifelong attitude, and it goes past that. This is an attitude that we can have for eternity. I'm reading a book right now called The Glory of Preaching by Darrell W. Johnson. And something that I read in it, it was extremely fitting, so I figured that I would share it with you all this morning. On page 28 and paragraph 4, Johnson writes this. He says, it is happening at this very moment. Do you realize that? Do you realize that you and I, along with the whole universe, are being held together, sustained by the word of Jesus Christ? That's the claim of the author of Hebrews. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word or upholding all things by the word of his power. In Hebrew 1 verse 3 in the NIV, he says, we are not in the final analysis being held together by some impersonal natural law. A person in his performative speech is holding us together. There's a sense in which natural law merely articulates the normal speech pattern of Jesus Christ, the upholder. Were he to stop speaking, everything would crumble into chaos, into nothingness. As G.K. Chesterton suggested, each new day is not just the product of an inexorable mechanical process. Rather, each new day is also the result of God saying, do it again. To the sun, do it again. To the moon, do it again. To my heart, beat again into your lungs, breathe again. Which is why thank you is the most appropriate response for human beings to speak at the beginning, at the middle, and the end of the day. Johnson is showing us that everything in the universe, everything that you could imagine, everything that you see or could think of, is being held together by the literal word of Jesus Christ. Were he to stop speaking, everything would completely fall apart. If we had more time, I would love to go down a very long rabbit trail on that fact and really go into what that means. For the sake of time, I'll try and stay focused. But just think about that fact for a second. Knowing this fact, knowing how incredible our God is, what more can we do than say thank you? The goodness of God leads us to give thanks because what more can we do? What more appropriate response is there? What more could we offer up? I'll tell you right now that there is nothing more that we can do than simply thank the Lord for his goodness and sing his praises. Maybe you're trying to think about something more that you could do, something that would be more beneficial than, than thanking the Lord. Maybe you're thinking, Caleb, you're wrong. I could give more money. I could volunteer in more places. I could be in every single ministry the church has to offer. Then that would be better. Those are all really good things. You can certainly work hard for the Lord. But at the end of the day, when we're left to process the goodness of God, what more can we do than just say thank you? What more can we do than just sing his praises? What more can we do than dance in the streets? See, there's nothing That we can do, that God can't do Himself. There's nothing that we could give that God doesn't already have. In all things, in every situation, the goodness of God leads us to give thanks. Because what more do? do? In the last few months here at West Village, we saw nine people under the age of twenty be baptized. This morning we had two families dedicate themselves and their children to, to live lives that honor the Lord and to raise their children so that they might know the love of the Lord. And not only were there two families this morning, there's so many families that want to experience this and dedicate themselves and their children to the Lord that we have had to make another service of uh, presentation and dedication in November and possibly a third later on. What more can we do with this information than praise the Lord and say thank you. for, Thank you for the families that are being dedicated. Thank you for the, the, the students who are being baptized. Thank you for all of the goodness that is happening in our church. Almost every single Sunday, we've seen new faces show up to West Village. Whether they're coming back from, uh, from the COVID and everything that, and was involved with that. Whether they're brand new to West Village. And so many have been choosing to stay at West Village and make this church your home. What more can we do and just say thank you? Now you might be thinking, Caleb, you don't know the pain that I feel. You don't know the loss that I've gone through. How could you possibly tell me to give thanks in all circumstances? And you're right. You're absolutely right. I don't know. I don't know the pain that you're going through. I don't know the hurt that you felt. So how can I stand here today and tell you to give thanks in all situations, in all circumstances to praise the Lord? Well, I know that you're here this morning. I know that you being here this morning is a miracle. The fact that there's breath In your lungs, the fact that there's blood pumping through your heart, the fact that you're thinking thoughts, or you've been able to hear this message, that's a miracle. And for that miracle alone, we can give thanks. I also know how much God loves you. I know that God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to the earth. I know that Jesus loves you so much that he actually died for you in your place. And I know that God still loves you so much that he rose Jesus from the dead, defeating the death, defeating the grave, so that you and I can choose, can have this relationship with Jesus forever. And we can continue to praise him forever, that we can have a restored relationship with our heavenly father, that he's waiting for us in heaven to spend eternity worshiping him and praising him. For that fact, we can say thank you. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you for the thoughts in my brain. Thank you for the blood that pumps in my heart. Thank you that I can sit here. Thank you that I can come to church and worship God publicly. Thank you that I can have family and friends. Thank you that... Thank you. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for dying for me, for the sacrifice that you made for me. I know that there's even pain in our church. Not pretending like bad things don't happen, even here in our very own church. People are hurting. People are suffering. There's confusion. There's anger. There's sadness. The same way. Jesus died for that anger. Jesus died for that sadness. So that we can give him thanks. This is the conclusion that David came to when he said, Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. That is the conclusion that I hope that you come to as well this Thanksgiving. weekend. In all things, there is thanksgiving. Not just this weekend when the title is there. Not just in the good things that we experience and the celebrations that we get to go through. In all things. is thanksgiving. Let me pray. The band will come and lead us in our last song for the day. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us a space to worship. Thank you for giving us your word that is truth. Thank you that we can learn from this, that we can grow, we can be, become more like Jesus through the, the transformation that is in your word. Thank you for the, the experience that we get to worship through music together, for the many blessings that you give in our church, for the, the students who are baptized, for the families who were dedicated and will be dedicated, for all the good things that you're doing in this church, God. We say thank you. I pray that as we go into this week, Lord, we would just be able to say thank you. Give us the courage, give us the wisdom. Give us the heart to say thank you and the hard things that come and the cars that break down and the family members that we lose. God, let us just say thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you. I pray this in the name of Jesus.